Uh, we are continuing our Lenten series through the book of Jonah. We're reading through the book of Jonah as a congregation and preaching through the book of Jonah. And for some of you that might be familiar with the Bible or not too familiar with the Bible, most of us know the story of Jonah. It's a guy who got swallowed by a fish. And uh, we've been talking about what we can learn about the spiritual life, what we can learn about God, what we can learn about what it means to pray from this remarkable story. Uh, last week, Pastor Helen uh, focused on Jonah chapter 2, where uh, we hear Jonah's prayer. He's been swallowed by the fish, and he begins to pray. And we got to the first part of the prayer. Here we are a week later. Poor Jonah, he's still in the fish. And uh, he's still in there, and we're going to focus on the second part of his prayer in chapter 2 and what we learn about God, what we learn about the spiritual life, what we learn about prayer. So Jonah chapter 2, you can follow on the screen or in your Bible. Jonah chapter 2, beginning at verse number 7, hear the word of the Lord. Jonah says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Let's pray together. Lord, Breathe on us through the power of your spirit now. Open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts that we would receive every gift you have for us this day. We pray these things in Christ's name and everyone said, amen. I highly doubt that any of us in this room, those of us watching online, will ever be swallowed whole by a fish and live to tell the story. But even though we've never been swallowed by a fish or will never be swallowed by a fish and live to tell the story, we all know what it's like as New Yorkers to be found in a place where it is dark and hot and in an enclosed environment that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. At some points of our lives, New Yorkers have been stuck on the subway in between stations. You've been there before, yes? Where you're heading to work and you're supposed to be there at a particular time and then in between the stations it just stops and you don't know when it's going to pick back up again. In 2017, uh, the MTA made national news as the F train was stuck between West 4th Street and Broadway Lafayette stations and the air conditioning went out. The lights went out. Uh, people were dripping with sweat to, to, some, to, to, to a degree that someone on a steamed up window scrawled these words that became viral and all that. They, they scrawled the words on the window, I will survive uh, between stations. People were passing out wondering, when are we going to get out of here? And it took over an hour in that dark, cramped hot environment in between subway stations. Now, you maybe have been in a subway station or maybe will not be stuck to that degree, but at some point in our lives, we will be in a cramped, dark, hot situation, a place in which we are confined, in which, a place in which it is hard to breathe, a place where you cannot move. Have you ever been there before? 
a place where you wonder, will I get out of this? The pandemic has been like that for many, if not all of us, a place that helped made us feel confined. Will we get out of it? But that space might for you might be financial, a place where you are in a hole, stuck between stations, as it were, wondering, will I get out? The place might be emotional. That in a given week, there's so much coming at us, so much stress coming at us in a given day. And we wonder, will we ever get out of this cramped, dark space? The place may be relational, where you might be in a relationship and it's going nowhere or it's struggling. And you wonder, will we ever get out of this hole? It might be spiritual. That you think about your life with God. And you wonder, will I ever get to a place of spiritual life and vitality? The question before us today is, where do you go when you're in a tight space? Where do you go when you are confined? Where, how do you relate to God when you're in between stations, as it were? For some of us, we go to pathological busyness. We try to get as busy as we possibly can knowing that I don't know when I'm going to get out of this, but I'm not turning to God. I'm just going to be distracted and give myself a lot of things to do. For others, we go to substance abuse. We go to some place that will numb the pain to soothe ourselves so that we don't have to remember the dark place that we find ourselves in. And yet when we look at the scriptures today and when we look at our lives, here's the truth I want to explore today. When we find ourselves feeling trapped, we can turn to God. When we find ourselves feeling trapped, we can turn to God. In our text today, Jonah is in a tight space. He's in the belly of a fish, and it's a place that he has very little power to get out of. And as he prays, we learn important lessons about the spiritual life. We learn lessons about what God is like. We learn lessons about ourselves. If you're just joining us, I want to give a quick summary on what we've covered the first two weeks. The story begins with God calling a prophet named Jonah to speak words to a group of people called the Ninevites. The Ninevites are a people known for their brutality. They're known for their violence. And when Jonah hears of this assignment, this special assignment that God has for him, he goes in the opposite direction. Instead of saying, yes, Lord, I'll speak for you, he says, no, Lord, I'm going the other way. God told him to go downtown. Jonah went uptown. And Jonah said, I am not doing what you called me to do. And so Jonah tries to go in a different direction, trying to flee the presence of God. But everywhere Jonah goes, God shows up. It reminds me of Psalm 139. Psalm 139, David said it this way. He said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the, up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Everywhere Jonah goes, God shows up. 
And so Jonah goes in another direction. He swipes his metro card to get on a ship. And when he gets on the ship, God's already there. He goes down to the lower deck to take a nap. And when he gets down to his little bed to take a nap, God's laying down right there, right next to him already. Everywhere Jonah goes, God shows up. And so God throws a wind. The word, remember that word for throwing a wind was like throwing a javelin at the ship. And the ship begins to break up and the people start panicking on the boat. We're going to go down. Let's pray to the gods. Who's responsible for this? And Jonah gets up and says, it's me. The reason you guys are in this storm is because of me. And if you throw me over the side of the boat, the wind will die down. And so they said, we can't do that. No, let's keep praying. Jonah said, just throw me over. And they threw Jonah over the side of the boat, and the wind became calm. And it is at this point that Jonah finds himself in another level of trouble. A storm came, he gets thrown over, you would think, this is pretty bad. And then a fish comes and swallows him whole. And now here's the problem. Jonah is in an in-between space. He's not dead, but he's not alive either. He's in an in between space and many of us know what this is like we know what it's like to be in a marriage that's not dead but it's not alive we know what it's like to be in a career that's not dead but it sure is not alive we know what it's like to have a spiritual life that's not dead but it's not alive either we're just existing One day to the next. And Jonah is just existing one day to the next. And so from the outside, this looks pretty bad. Could you imagine the people who threw Jonah off the side of the boat? They're feeling bad about it. And they go, man, I hope he survives. Man, this is pretty bad. And then they see a fish swallow him. Oh, no. This looks really bad. On the outside, Jonah getting swallowed by a fish looks as bad as the story can go. But on the inside, God is actually moving Jonah forward to where he wants Jonah to be. On the outside, it looks like the end for Jonah. On the inside. God is carrying him where he wants him to go. And it reminds me, sometimes life can just swallow us whole. And it looks and feels like the end. And the mystery of our faith is that God can use all of this to carry us forward for his purpose. And this is one of the most important lessons we learn from the book of Jonah, that God saves us in strange ways. God saves us in strange ways. And and so from the outside it looks bad, but there's something else happening here, which is why we learn from the book of Jonah that our interpretations of our situations 
often need fresh revelations. I used to be a rapper, so stuff starts coming out just like this, all right? <laughs> our interpretations of our situations often need fresh revelation. On the outside, it looks like this is the end for Jonah. But actually, God is saving him. When we gather for worship, we are reminded that we are in the story of God. That when we sing together, we're getting a different kind of interpretation for the situations that we find ourselves in. And there's something about opening ourselves up to God that we begin to see life in a different way. It reminds me, Psalm 73, there's a guy named Asaph. He's, he's looking at the world. He's seeing how the wicked are prospering. He's seeing how they just seem to have no troubles whatsoever. He has a particular interpretation for the situation. And then Asaph goes to church and gets a new revelation. And it says, when I tried to understand all of this, how the wicked prosper, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their final destiny. We gather as the people of God for worship to get a new kind of interpretation for our situations. We come to church, we can remind it that the bad medical report we got does not have to be the end of the story. We come to church to be reminded that the troubles that we face don't have to have the last word. We gather and worship to be reminded that God wants to give us a fresh revelation, to give us a new interpretation for our situations. I'm preaching right now. I'm working hard here. And so we gather together to be reminded that God sees things different than we do. Many of us know what it's like to go through a situation, a heartache, and you, you were struggling and suffering, and yet many have been able to say, in some strange way, through all the trouble I went through, God saved me. In some strange way, I had financial lack, and God used all of that to save me. In some strange way. I experienced lots of trouble, and God used all of that to save me. You see, what we learn in Jonah is that sometimes God saves us from being swallowed. And sometimes God allows us to be swallowed because he's about to save us. As Jonah is in this fish, he's being carried by God. And some of you are in a fish right now. It's dark. It's cramped. It's confined. You don't know what's happening. But we gather on Sunday to be reminded whatever fish you find yourself in, God's carrying you. God's with you. God has not forgotten you. Jonah is being carried by God. And as Jonah is in the fish, Jonah starts to pray. And we learn lessons about the spiritual life from his prayer. There's so many things that I wanted to share. And then I thought, I can't keep these people here for an hour and a half. So I want to highlight five things, all right? Five. I had 15. I want to give you five things that we see in Jonah's prayer. What we learn about God. What we learn about the spiritual life. What we learn about prayer. What do we learn from Jonah? First of all, we learn this. 
we learn that when nobody is there to hear our cry, God hears us. Amen. When no one is there to hear our cry, God hears us. Let me speak a word to someone watching from the hospital right now. You're by yourself all alone. No one's hearing your cry. The nurse is ignoring the button right now that you're speaking. But God hears you. And God sees you. And when no one else hears your cry, and when no one else sees your pain, God sees you. And for those of you in this room, God sees you as well. There's so many of us, we struggle and we suffer in silence. And many of us know what it's like to suffer in silence. Wondering if anyone knows our pain. Some of you have been deeply afraid of life, but you've been anxious to tell anyone about it. You have felt alone, even though you're surrounded by people. You've had your doubts about God, but you've been ashamed to mention them. Maybe you received a bad report from the doctor, and you're wondering what is next. Every single one of us, at some point, will feel this, that there's no one who knows the level and the depth of my suffering. And the level and the depth of my pain. And we're reminded that God does. That when no one else hears our cry, God hears our cry. When nobody shows up, God is there. When you feel abandoned, God is there. When you've sinned and messed up your life, God is there. When no one hears your cry, God hears it. Now, I need you to hear this because to, to confess this is not to justify not sharing what's going on in your soul. Because it's often the case that someone will hear that and go, this is a good way for me to keep everything to myself because God hears me. And so the goal is not to hear this and then keep the cries to yourself and keep the struggles to yourself. We are the body of Christ. We need one another. We need to confess our struggles. We need to confess our sins. But here's the good news. Even when there's no one there to hear us, God hears our cry, and we can call upon God at any time. He hears our cries. That's the first thing we learn from Jonah. The, the second thing we learn about Jonah in chapter 2 in verses 7 through 10 and throughout the chapter, for that matter, is that Jonah's prayers are not original. And this is an important word for all of us. Jonah's prayers are not original. You see, Jonah is praying words that come right out of the book of Psalms. And this is good to know because your prayers don't have to be original. We often want our prayers to be original, to come from the heart. We often don't like to pray the prayers of other people. We want it to come from the heart. But by the way, I just want to say... For the first 20 minutes of our service, we've been praying the words of other people. It's called singing. It's called worship. When we've been looking at those words and singing, we are praying and singing the words of other people. And when we pray the Psalms, here's my pastoral counsel to all of us. One of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is to pray the Psalms regularly. To pray through the Psalms regularly because sometimes we don't know what to say to God. Sometimes we need some help to form our own words. And the book of Psalms is there to help us form our own words. And let me tell you something. Even though we use the words of someone else, 
God is not offended by it. God receives it. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Hallmark cards. There are three kinds of people who give out cards to each other. Wedding, anniversary, birthday, graduation. Three kinds of people. The first kind of person is the person who, who, who they just write essays in the card. And they're just, uh, when I first met you, and I, when I was seven, and then, then I was 15, and, 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 and then you're the back of the card, and you're still writing on the card, and, and I need some more paper, and, and you got more paper here. And, and by the time someone gets the card, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, thank you. There's, there's, that's one kind of person where you just, you're, you're writing everything. And then the second kind of person who writes a card is, is, is you don't write everything, but you, you, you want to make sure you underline the words that matter to you. And so, uh, and I love you. And, 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 and you're the best thing that ever happened to me. And, and, and then you give the card. And, and, and you just want to emphasize what's already there. And then the third kind of person is a person who just signs their name. They just sign their name. And, and here you go. Merry Christmas. Christmas and, and, and happy birthday. But just by show of hands, who's in the first category? Who writes essays? Can I see that hand? Uh, who's in the second category? You underline for emphasis. Uh-huh. And who just signs their name? Just, uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Here's what I know to be true. Wherever you're at on that spectrum, here's what I know to be true. I've never, and probably you've never received a card from someone, and you look at the words, and maybe they're just underlined. Or just signed, and they just signed their name, and you go, how unoriginal. How un no, you receive it as a gift. Thank you for thinking about me. Thank you for, for showing your affections towards me. And I want to tell you, when God hears us pray using the words of other people, God doesn't go, how unoriginal. <laughs> Be authentic. No, sometimes I need to pray. As a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Sometimes I need to pray, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Sometimes I need to pray, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Sometimes I need to pray and I need the words of other people to help me to pray. And what we find in Jonah is Jonah is praying the words of other people. A good spiritual practice when you find yourself in a tight space. Number three, what we learn from Jonah and his life is that God doesn't put a time limit on us. That we can call on the name of the Lord at any time. God is not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance. I love that Jonah starts ebbing away and then calls upon God. And God doesn't say, too late. You should have called on me when you were on the ship. You waited too late. Jonah said, when my life was ebbing away, God remembered me. God heard my cry. What grace. What mercy. What kindness of our God. What good news for us. The hope is that we would hear that and not wait until the last minute. The hope is that we call out to God when it's sunny and when it's cloudy. That we call out to God on payday or when you don't know when the next paycheck is coming. That we call out to God whether good times or bad times. But here's the truth. 
Even if you wait to call upon God in your lowest moment, God hears, God sees, God's waiting for us. God doesn't put a time limit on us. And we see in the next thing I want to show you why. Because God is the one who remembers us. God is the one who remembers us. Jonah is not saved because he remembered God. Jonah is saved because the Lord remembered him. I want to show you something that you can't see in the original languages. I, I saw it this week from a Hebrew scholar. In English, the verse says, I remember the Lord. I remembered the Lord. But a Hebrew scholar named Philip Carey said, in the original language, those words are flipped. So the emphasis is not I remembered. The emphasis is the Lord I remembered. And what he says there is emphasis is important because the act of remembering the Lord does nothing. It's not that Jonah remembers the Lord and then the Lord saves him. Jonah is among the dead. It is God who remembers Jonah and saves him. The emphasis is not on what Jonah has done. The emphasis is on what the Lord has done. And this is the way we are to live in the world. We, we are rescued by God not because of our works. We're rescued by God because of his work. We're not rescued by God because of our righteousness. We're rescued by God because of his righteousness. We're not rescued by God because of our obedience. We're rescued by God because of God's love. It always begins with God. The Lord, I remembered. We're rescued because God remembers us. And here's the truth. Every day we forget God. Every day I forget God. There are days throughout, the, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, I pray often, and there are days where hours go on, and I go, oh, the Lord, forgot about you. There are plenty of times where I forget, but God never forgets you. God's eyes are always on you. When it says the Lord, to say that the Lord remembers is not to say that God forgets. It's not to say Jonah's in there, and God's going, now, what was I supposed to do today? <laughs> oh, Jonah! Uh, well, go get him! It's, it's not that God has a case of cosmic amnesia, where God is, what was I supposed to do today? Oh, I remember. No, no, no. To say that the Lord remembers is a, is a way of saying the Lord never forgets. The Lord never forgets you. The Lord's eyes are always on you. What grace, what mercy, what compassion, what kindness. God's eyes are always on us. God knows your troubles. God knows your pain. God knows your anxiety. God never forgets his people. Lastly, what I want you to see is this. Jonah's in this situation here, and as he's praying to the Lord, the Lord remembers it seems as if this psalm that Jonah is speaking in prayer takes a bit of a turn. 
Because it feels like he's now stating a general principle. And we don't know who he's talking to. Is Jonah thinking about his own life? Is Jonah thinking about people out there? He's, it, he's now offering a theological principle inside of the fish. And what he says in verse 8 is, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. It goes from like a cry to like a principle. And what we learn here is that Jonah's confinement leads to greater clarity to identify the idols. And this is what being in a tight space often does for us. It helps us to make sense of what matters most. It helps us to get clear on what we've been clinging to. It helps us and reminds us to let us know that all of the things we cling to will not save us. Our money will not save us. Our job will not save us. A new relationship will not save us. You see, what is an idol? You say, well, Pastor Rich, I don't even have any statues in my house. I'm doing all right. No, we're not. No, we're not. Because you can have your house clear of all kinds of statues and still have lots of idols. What is an idol? An idol here's, is when we take a good thing and we make it a God thing, which makes it a bad thing. We take a good thing. We make it a God thing, which turns into a bad thing. You take a relationship, that's good, but now it's become God, and now it's bad. You take money, it's good, and now it's become God, and now it's been bad. But here's what happens. When you're in a tight space, you start getting clear on what matters most. And maybe that's the point that God has for some of us in this room. Maybe that's the point that God has for some of us watching online. And maybe, just maybe, God is trying to help us let go of idols. The things that we have believed could rescue us. The things that we have believed could save us. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. We find in Jonah, it was in the belly of the fish that clarity came. Let me close with this. When we look at the book of Jonah, remember, we're also seeing in some way the life of Jesus Christ, the life of our Lord. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus identifies his story with Jonah's story. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be there, will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And here's what I want you to see about Jesus. In the life of Jesus Christ, Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Jesus Christ was di died and was buried. And what we see in Jesus is in the same way we see in Jonah, that God saves us in strange ways. When Jesus was crucified, it looked like the end. When Jesus was put in the tomb, it looked like the end. When the stone was rolled over, it looked like the end, but three days later, Jesus comes back to life. And here's what happens. Jonah is swallowed by a fish. Is that the Lord speaking right now? <laughs> Jonah is swallowed by a fish. Jesus swallows death. And in his power, in his grace and his love, we 
are rescued. You see, when we sin, as Eugene Peterson said, when we sin and mess up our lives, we find out that God doesn't go and leave us. He enters into our trouble and saves us. As, the, as Jonah was in the belly of a fish, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. God saves us in some strange ways. Amen. Let's have our worship team come forward. As our worship team comes forward, I want to focus on how this psalm ends, this prayer ends. And what I love about this is Jonah says some words that don't make sense in the context. Jonah is in the belly of a fish, and in verse 9 he says, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. What do I love about that? This is what I love about that. While Jonah is still in the belly of a fish, he starts to sing and praise and worship. And that, brothers and sisters, is a life of faith. That when you're still in the fish, you start to sing. And that's why we gather together as the people of God. To encourage one another that we don't have to wait till we're out of the fish to sing. What faith does is sing while we're still in the fish. While we're still in the dark. While we're still between subway stations. We can sing. Sing in anticipation of what God is going to do. And so when we sing, we're declaring faith. When we're singing, we're saying, Lord, we trust that you're going to move. We trust that you're present. We trust that you're going to heal. I'm not going to wait until I'm out of the hole to sing. While I'm in the fish, I'm going to sing. When I'm in the hole, come on, somebody, I'm going to sing. When I'm still in trouble, I am going to sing. And so let's not just talk about it. Let's be about it. Let's all stand. And let's sing. Lord Jesus, we sing to you. Many of us are still in the belly of a fish, and we are going to declare with faith our trust in you. Salvation belongs to the Lord, and with grateful praise we sing. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing together. We've fallen short, we've wandered far from your ways. Forgive us, O Lord. We've sinned against your name.
have our prayer team come to my right. Here's the truth about life. From time to time, you will be swallowed by a fish. Sometimes we get swallowed and we didn't do anything wrong. You just feel swallowed. And sometimes we did make mistakes, sin, make some bad decisions, and found ourselves swallowed by a fish. It doesn't matter why, how you got there. What matters is the Lord is with you and God can sustain you. One of the ways that God sustains us is through the prayers of the people of God, that we're not alone. 
Our prayer team is here to pray for you. And some of you, the hole has maybe been in the past week. For some, the past year. For some, the past few years. For some, it feels like your entire life has been in a hole. And you do not need to be there alone. That the body of Christ is here to pray and to support and to encourage and to help lift you up. And so if you came here and you just need someone to pray for you, for whatever need you have, uh, we'd love for you to come up for prayer. I also want to say, as some of you watching online, maybe some of you in this room, you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never decided to follow him like our dear sister Sue has done and gotten baptized. And maybe you're wondering, I'm not ready yet. I'm not good enough yet. I, I, have, I need to fix some things and then God is ready for me. Uh, but, but that's not how it works in Christianity. We don't fix ourselves up and then God says, finally, you look all right. No, no, no. God fixes us up. He's the one who fixes us up. We come as we are. We're not saved because we're good. We're saved because God is good. And God has poured out love in Jesus Christ. And so if today you're wondering, I want to begin a relationship with Christ. I want to take the next step. Or maybe you say, I'm not even ready. There's a couple of things we'd like you to do. You can come up for a prayer. You can talk to someone. Or you can text that phrase, yes to Jesus, to that number, 718-424-0122. And one of our pastors would love to follow up with you and help you take your next step in your relationship with God. And so uh, let us serve you along those lines. At the end of our service, we're going to have a sermon discussion time. And so if you're watching online or if you're uh, joining here and you want to join in on that, there's a link on our Facebook and YouTube and Facebook page and uh, website and all that. So feel free to click on that and we'll have 30 minutes of conversation for those who want to enjoy that. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. We, we open our hands as we close our services because this is a sign of receiving. And the world, the posture of the world is clenched fists, grasping, fighting, insecurity, control, manipulation. The follower of Jesus, we're called to live with trust and openness and joy and generosity. And so with our hands in this posture, we're saying, Lord, I, re I receive your blessing. Now may I offer it to the world around me. I'm going to be downstairs in the lobby with some of our pastors. If you're new to our church, I'd love to meet you before you head out. And so please approach me, uh, give me your name, and I uh, would love to chat for a few minutes. But let me bless you all as we end our gathering. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowing that no matter how far you fall, God hears your cry. God is with you. God sees you and God hears you. And God will give you the strength you need to endure. May you receive the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the love of God. And may you offer that to the world around you. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the healing name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said... 
Amen. Grace and peace to you all. Amen.